The Weird, Wacky, Wonderful Stories podcast is now proud to be part of the Low Tree Studios podcast network. To enjoy more great podcasts like this one, head along to lowtreestudios.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Weird, Wacky, Wonderful Stories podcast with your hosts, Shelley and Bella. Everybody, and welcome to episode 78 of the Weird, Wacky, and Wonderful Stories podcast. A little too happy, I think. Why? I don't know. Gotta be happy, man. That's a whole lot of upbeat. I think a little bit too much (laughs) upbeat for me right now. (laughs) It's funny, whenever I do that, and I I do the whole sort of like, at the start, you kind of just glance across at me like a look of like, really? Well, you know, really? Well, we're going to give you guys some interesting stories today of things that are going on at the moment. Weird news. We'll call this weird news. Weird news. Weird news, man. Didn't we do a podcast a long time ago called Weird News? Or yeah, something? I'm not necessarily going to call this weird news, but oh, that's oh, right. that's okay. the kind of the theme that we're going on. For everyone who tuned in to our live stream for the Cure event, thank you very much, and thank you for helping us raise the money. At the time we're recording this, I don't know yet how much money was raised, so check out the website, check out Livestream for the Cure website or the Epic Film Guys website, and they'll be able to give you more information as to how much money has been raised so far. Okay, so we're going to do some of these weird stories, and then after that we're going to come back with our regular slot, as we mentioned a little while ago, that we're running now with Richard Lenny, who's going to be giving you his UFO report, and then later on, Ruth Roper Wild with her paranormal report. For those who haven't listened yet, by the way, we also have another show that runs every other week called Reminiscing with Tom, and that is our friend Tom Williams, who tells us stories of his growing up in the 1940s sort of time in Alabama, in the Deep South. Yeah. Some pretty interesting stories going on there. So not paranormal, but if you're interested in that kind of stuff, you will have a great time listening to that. And they're only short, bite-sized episodes, aren't they? Yep. Are they like 10 minutes or something? At the most, 10 minutes. Yeah. Yep. Okay, go on then, you can start off. Give us a story. Well, in Portland, Oregon, back home, there's a strip club called the Lucky Devil Lounge. That is a perfect name for a strip club, isn't it? The Lucky Devil Lounge. So when the government said, okay, everybody's got to stay at home, he had to close, and because it was an adult business, they don't get any assistance Mm. with their business like a lot of others do, right? Are they doing that in America? Are, are, in America, are they giving help to businesses? Because I know that people have received those checks, haven't they? Those, what they call them, checks? Stimulus Stimulus checks. checks. So businesses are being helped as well, are they? Well, I don't know. It just, uh, they just, there's no federal assistance for adult businesses. Okay, fair enough. I don't know the ins and outs of it all, but I know that much because it said so. The ins and outs of an uh-huh. adult business. Yeah, okay. So, the Lucky Devil Lounge decided to turn itself into Lucky Devil Eats, which has dancers delivering food 
Oh, cool. To people's homes. And then they developed Food to Go Go, which is a drive up service where you can get your orders, your takeout orders. They will bring them to your car for you. But as you're driving into the parking lot, it's all set up so that it's got uh, dancers and music and lights and all sorts of canopies. So, wow. So, you don't want to be driving up with your kids on the way back through, a dr- through the drive through? The owner says there is absolutely no nudity, and he wanted to keep it that way so that people could share about it on Instagram, and I guess so weird fathers could bring their sons with them or something, pick up the food, I don't know. Weird fathers, cool fathers. Uh, Also, the owner of the Lucky Devil Lounge says he was able to then put like a dozen of his workers back to work, so they were only off for like a week or two. And he makes sure that everybody wears masks and gloves. I guess that's the alternatives for pasties, maybe. They get masks and gloves. Pasties? What's pasties? Yeah, little things the women wear on their nipples. The dancers wear on their nipples. They're called pasties? Well, that's what we call them back home. I don't oh, know I'd never heard there. of that. But anyway, and they also have their temperature taken each day when they come into work. So he says that all they want to do is deliver a little fun hope and entertainment that's really cool and what what's really cool is that obviously those ladies have got work again yeah and the owner incidentally his name is mr bolden yeah no that is that is really cool i'm glad that they've got some work and and do you know what a lot of people throughout this whole crisis they're diversifying they're yeah, changing finding ways yeah they're changing the way their businesses operate to get through it and i think that's absolutely fantastic yeah i think so too but I have been reading a lot of articles where they're talking about like restaurants and stuff are going to have problems because if you've got a table that normally seats six to observe the social distancing rules, that means that you can have two on one side, say, of a booth or a table yeah. and then one across. So you're actually losing half of your seating right off the get go when you do reopen. Right. Okay. So. It's yeah, sad. It is. It is sad. But I'm sure that we will all find a way through. I'm sure that there's there's a way through it all. Oh, and one of his workers, her name is L Stranger. Not sure if that's real or not. For well, L as in E L L E. Yeah, L Stranger. Uh, she said that she was the sole caregiver for her family, and she's been really lucky that her boss thought of this little a drive-through venture. strip joint i don't know why anyone never thought about it before i think it's a fantastic idea also not on a funny note it takes happy meal to a totally different level <laughs> yeah right not on a happy note but they're doing the same with funerals i heard oh yeah let's not get on to that no 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 i'm just saying though like the whole drive up thing yeah better than nothing yeah, I know. isn't it i know but yeah. but yeah we're, we're trying to be happy i just thought yeah. that that was really interesting they they have drive up wedding booths and stuff in nevada uh, in, Ve- uh, in vegas in, and yeah where yeah. you can just drive so drive up and have your wedding performed by elvis in a drive-through yeah it's absolutely so, amazing so yeah so they're just adapting that long time nevada tradition into i've often thought about this we did our wedding it was a nice wedding and, you know, I enjoyed it, and I'm glad I did it. Thanks for hey, the look. I'm very freaking glad you did it. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, I'm but about we to did it on a budget. But we did it on a budget, didn't we? Yes. In fact, when we, at the end of the, the wedding, at the end of the whole meal and everything, the guy that owned the place where we did it said that it was the first time in history that he ever had to give some money back because we didn't spend it all. <laughs> I know, I know. 
Yeah, not that we're cheap or anything, but but we had a really good day, and our guests had a really good day. I've been paying for it ever since. Sure, let me tell you about it. Let me tell you about it. Hey, not as much as Malaysian women, though, because did you hear about the thing that came through on Instagram and Facebook? The Malaysian government has released a load of advertising material to women. Yeah, to women, where basically it's telling them or giving them tips on how to keep their men happy. Yeah. During men happy during the COVID nineteen lockdown, so get a pen because you can make notes of this. Well, you can just screw off to the Philippines then. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's quite nice out there, but this is yeah, this is Malaysian, so it doesn't tell you what part of Malaysia, but yeah, it gives tips like giggle coyly instead of nagging. Don't allow your appearance to slip. Make mm. sure your house is clean. One suggested women should avoid being sarcastic if their partner wasn't helping with the housework. Yeah, I wouldn't be sarcastic. I'd just be like, here, plate, drop it on floor, shatters, clean that up, please. <laughs> yeah. And the whole thing about keeping up appearances, let me tell you what, my girls, my twins, they're, they're very happy because they're living a hippie life because I, I, I'm boycotting bras until I have to wear one. I've noticed that. I've <laughs> noticed that. You're getting sores on your belly, though. <laughs> 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 the, nice. there's online posters and <laughs> like they carry burns <laughs> yeah, and they carry a hashtag which translated is women prevent covid19 who knew women prevent covid19 if only we'd known that right from the start well no see the men all stay home right so they're not spreading it and the woman's the one she's got to figure out a way to go out and get food and and all that sort of stuff so yeah that's the figures they'd turn that around into putting down a woman somehow no no they didn't they're saying women prevent covid19 in other words women are the key to curing covid19 that's how i'm reading it oh okay yeah well yeah i get it because then if you know they they, they guess use it all their be. female charms then everybody will want to stay home I, well i guess it could be read either way couldn't it women prevent covid19 it could either be saying hey women prevent COVID-19, or yeah. it could be saying women prevent COVID-19. Yeah, I, I got it. So it could be read either way. Anyway, these posters, these online posters, these memes were condemned by women's rights groups, and they said that the campaign could worsen gender stereotypes and possibly encourage domestic violence. No, really? Yeah, well, it implied that women are ultimately responsible for getting domestic chores done when obviously in the modern this world house. these days... <laughs> Yeah, and especially this house. It tends to be more the man. More the man. (laughs) Well, okay, it tends to be shared. Yeah. 60-40 split my way, thanks. Oh Yeah, right. There's an imprint on your side of the sofa, that's all I'm saying. I don't sit on the sofa because you stretch your ass out like it's got your name on it. (laughs) I haven't laid on the sofa to watch something on TV with you in flipping ages. This morning. I get stuck in the This morning. I wasn't watching any TV, was I? You were laying on me while I was watching the TV. you were looking at your phone. Oh, you're still laying on me on the settee? All curled up in a ball. Anyway, it makes women the ones who need to persuade their partners to chip in and worse, asks that women downplay a rightful request by using infantile language and mannerisms so as not to offend the men. I don't like that. Why would you need to use infantile language and well, all that? Exactly. That's a bit disgusting. I Whatever. think so, yeah. But... The implicit message is that men are allowed to slack off domestic work and it's women who must follow up with them, but they should do so nicely. 
Yes, I would ever so nicely escort you out the door and then have the locks changed. <laughs> well, it's, it's unbelievable. I can't believe that this even, you know, even made it onto the internet, to be honest with you. Uh, I- I'm sorry. With the amount of strange things on the internet, you, you can't believe that that's on there? Well, I mean, no, come that, on. But, okay, but that it was released by a government. You know, that a government actually released this, you know, <laughs> well, as as a way to go forward. The director general, and I, I'm going to try and say his name, Datuk Saidatu Akmar Hassan, said, we're sorry if some of the tips shared were inappropriate and touched on the sensitivities of some parties and will be more careful in the future. So did you hear about the guy who was going 110 miles an hour when he got stopped by police... And he said that he had traveled 100 miles to London to get some bread because it was cheaper. Cheaper? How much cheaper to drive 100 miles? Well, according to the article, one pound cheaper. So he was, hang on a minute. So he was going to save a quid. To drive 100 miles. To drive 100 miles. To get some bread. And he took his kids in the car with him and he was traveling at 110 miles an hour. Oh, my goodness. This is why there's the problems in the world that we got today. You can take all your viruses. You can take everything else. It's the stupidity of people that is going to be the downfall of this world. Well, yeah, always. So anyway, the the courts are going to decide what the level of the fine is. But there was another notice under the health protection regulations of 2020. Oh, that's the new one that's come in because the coronavirus stops people going out and disobeying the rules of social distancing and everything. Yeah, so without any other fine, with just that one, that was £60. So So, that was quite an expensive loaf of bread. I bet he didn't even get to get the bread. So he's £60 down and he's still got no bread. And he's still got to go to court and he's still going to find out what he's going to be fined in terms of the speeding yet. Yeah, can, can you imagine... Coming home with you and your two kids and you walk in and the wife goes, oh, did you get the bread? No, but I've got (laughs) a 60-pound speeding fine or a 60-pound lockdown breach fine. And then I'm not sure how much the speeding one is going to be. And no, I didn't get the bread. (laughs) Crazy. I guarantee you he was not going to buy bread. Well, of course he wasn't. That makes you wonder even more. What was he doing? What was he doing driving 110 mile an hour down the road with... Two young children, it says in the article, in the car. Jeez, it uh, doesn't bear thinking about. No, it's disgusting, though. Some of the excuses that we've read for the reasons that people break lockdown are ridiculous. You're much better off if you're dumb enough to go ahead and break it in the first place. But if you do and the cop stops, you just be like, look, okay, I'm sorry. You're better off just saying, I, I really needed to get out. I had cabin fever or something. Yeah, rather exactly. Than coming up with some stupid... Stupid excuse. Exactly. There's a lot of people dealing with mental health issues because of being isolated so much. And if they just said, I was getting really down and depressed and and everything, I'm sure the police would be more likely to look on it favourably. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, at least... Not that I'm giving people excuses to go and use. Because if you're on lockdown, you should stay on lockdown and do what the government says so everybody can get better and life can go back to normal quicker for everyone. Exactly. Yes. Well, talking about this, the police are really, really hot on trying to get people that are going against the rules. So much so that there's a comedy club in Liverpool. You know, Liverpool, where the Beatles come from, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, they had closed due to the coronavirus pandemic, right? And it was raided over the weekend after a recorded show was streamed on Facebook. Well, that's pretty stupid. So 
so the comedy club, like, you know, they actually got this old video of when there was a proper show going on, you know, and uh, well, they played it and, and someone phoned the police and said, hey, the comedy club's still running. So the police turned up and there was 12 of them, 12 police turned up, a van and everything. <laughs> and, and there was no one there. Oh, my. And I'm going to go back to my normal accent now. Thank you. And they actually got it on CCTV. If you go online and have a look at the videos of it, they've actually got all the police turning up. And then you see one police officer look on his phone, watching the stream going on and all the people laughing in the comedy club with his ear pressed against the window and clearly no one inside. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's pretty funny. So Paul Blair, one of the owners, actually said that the event, which was hosted by comedian Paul Smith, was clearly advertised on social media as having already taken place and revealed that his brother and co-owner had alerted him to what had happened. So, yeah, they looked at the CCTV. They said about 20 police officers, but when you count them, there's about 12 there. Well, maybe there was more than one. There could have been more at a shot. Yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, I I would have been really ticked off if they would have pulled up in there and kicked the door in or something. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Merseyside police actually admitted that it was a false alarm made in good faith by a member of the public. Good faith by a member of the public. Well, you think that they would have at least tried to check it out a bit before going in there with guns blazing and everything with all Well, their, no, they didn't go in there guns blazing. They stood outside with their ear up against glass. It's hardly guns blazing. Come on, Miss Tabloid. Well, I can say whatever I want. Even if it's not true. Because this is half my podcast. There's a guy who's locked down at the moment in this place he bought. So it's a place in Cerro Gordo. Well, I don't know if it's Cerro Gordo or Cerro Gordo. It's C-E-R-R-O, but it's in California. And this is an old mine that he bought, a silver mine in town, believe it or not. He bought it for $1.4 million in 2018. And his idea was, was that he was going to buy it and it was going to become like an Airbnb resort. Right. But this place has actually been visited by the TV show Ghost Adventures in the past, who concluded that it is actually haunted by the ghosts of two children who died after being trapped in a closet. In a closet in a coal mine? Well, no, it's a tin. It was a silver mine in for a start, as I said a second ago. Oh, sorry. But it's okay, you know. <laughs> town. So it's not just the mine. We're not just talking about the mine. Oh, it's okay. a silver mine in town. Oh, okay. All right. So. Yeah. Well, you really should inform me better of these things. Or well, like else reading I would've, it right like, next to you. Well, I mean, you know, if you'd have told me ahead of time, then nobody would have known that I thought it was a coal mine because well, I, I just I literally have said, said that. the audience heard me say. Yeah, but all I really hear is blah blah blah. <laughs> There's just no answer to that. <laughs> if that's all you heard, I'd be insulting you a lot more often. <laughs> Selective <laughs> filtering ears. <laughs> exactly. So this guy. Brent Underwood, he decided to look after this town because the caretaker who'd actually been looking after it for 20 odd years was going away to spend some time with family. Got so lost he was, in the mind. So, well, so he was, no, he was looking after it for a week while he was away. But while he was looking after it for that week, suddenly loads of snow came and has now trapped him in the place ever since. He hasn't been able to get <laughs> back out. So he's, he's stuck in this haunted town on his Wait, own. Wait, in California? Yeah. Well, there's high parts of California, isn't there? There's mountains, well, yeah, isn't there? Yeah, no, no dogen. Yeah, well, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> California has known to have snow. Wow. Yeah, you lived in California. I know, you should I did. know this. Well, what do I need to know it for? I didn't live where snow was. I lived where it, hot, where it was hot. I did go up the mountain one time, which was really really cool because it was flipping boiling at the bottom, and then they had a gobbler top, and they had to have snow chains. 
on the car. So, yeah, okay, so fine. You, yeah, so you've just totally... Yeah. No, it's all good. I keep going. I got it. And then I came back down the other side and it was hot again. Excellent. So, so, so yeah, I stand corrected. Thank you. So he arrived during good weather a month ago and then there was four consecutive days of snow that left him stuck there in solitude ever since. Poor thing for four days. I know. He managed to calm himself down and the following day decided that he'd just use his time productively. So he's been stuck there, as I said. His nearest grocery store is 26 miles away. So he's been living on snow that he is melting. It's like a, it's like a, an episode of Naked and Afraid, isn't it? Snow. You're not supposed to eat snow while it's cold, but you're okay to like defrost it and drink it. Defrost it. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> it's melted. It's, not it's, me- it's still defrosting, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're allowed to melt it. Stick it in the microwave on the frost, and then you can drink it. <laughs> you're allowed to drink it when it's warm because it doesn't take your body heat away from you. The whole point is that snow will take your body heat away from you and cause internal burns through the coldness. Well, that may not be true. What if a dog came by earlier and... Oh, our dog would eat anything, so it wouldn't matter anyway. <laughs> no, I'm talking about what if the dog peed in the snow? Well, you don't eat yellow snow, do you? I don't eat any snow. You shouldn't eat yellow snow. That's rule one of eating snow. Right, Okay. Well, I don't need any snow. So anyway, he said that apart from ghosts and maybe a few bobcats, he is totally alone. So, <laughs> Except for the bobcats, no worries. Yeah, he's heard some strange sounds and he's had a book fall off of a shelf for no apparent reason. He said that he's never really felt under threat from any spirits, so maybe he's found a way to coexist with them. Who knows? But he said he's definitely open-minded about it all now, which he wasn't before. He does still have rice and some tin goods as well to survive, so that's fine. Not what just he, defrosted snow, Not then. just melted snow. <laughs> so it wasn't something that he planned, as he said, but he said that actually now he's been there for a while, knowing what else is going on in the world, actually he feels probably quite safe there and, and probably would think about staying there. He is missing Netflix, though, because he doesn't have a very good internet connection. And so while everyone else is talking about Netflix, when he does manage to get on social media briefly, he's seeing that everyone's talking about Tiger King and he said he has absolutely no idea what Tiger King is. That's probably a good thing for him. <laughs> we enjoyed Tiger King, didn't we? Yes, but it's very scary to think about that whole situation. What situation? He had some screws loose somewhere or something. Well, they don't, didn't you think that most of the people in that yes. series had screws loose? Yeah, It wasn't just him. No, but he was the ringleader of screws loose. He w- Yeah, he definitely had a toolbox full of loose screws. Yeah. <laughs> no hammers, no screwdrivers, just screws. <laughs> just loose screws. <laughs> but apparently he, is the, he might get a reprieve. Yeah, well... Incidentally, on the Tiger King situation, you know, there is uh, one of the guys, I can't remember which one, he's really pissed off because he said that he has not made any money on the Netflix special, that only Netflix has made money, and he thinks that that should change. Really? Yeah. Was that the guy who originally went to do it? I don't have a clue. Well, you, you, you can't come armed with half anyway, a story. Anyway, the Tiger King thing, it's like a train wreck, really, because you can't help but keep watching it. It's just... Really weird. The thing that I find most ridiculous about this is they're all talking about wanting to save the animals in the world and wanting to to protect life and everything, and they just want to kill each other. Yeah. Well, you know, it just reopened again. What the park? Uh, after yeah. After, really? Yeah. After the you know pandemic. 
They've now reopened and apparently loads and loads of people went there to see it. I am petrified of big cats. Meow. No? No. You're just petrified of me because I'm your wife. I'm petrified of you anyway. <laughs> so I have a story about a woman who got shot. But, Carol Baskin? Uh, nice, no. About a woman who got shot and was saved by her breast implants. What? Yep. Went in the one. What was she implanted with? Lead. It, it, listen, listen, listen. So the bullet went into the one, sort of veered off into the other one, and that, and then that one busted or whatever, but she did not die. Wow. Yeah. She didn't even realize that she'd been shot, and she just felt what? like she just felt like heat and warmth, and looked down, and there was blood. How can you not know you've been shot? I mean, I've heard of people who bit like hopped up on drugs who haven't really reacted to being so, shot, but how can you not know you've been shot in the tits? Well, I don't know, but she got shot, and the only injury she had was a fractured rib. And she didn't notice she had a fractured rib. Well, I don't know, but the doctor said I'm that calling bullshit. The doctor said. That the implant, it was right over her heart and intrathoracic cavity, and it actually did save her life, because if the implant wouldn't have been there, she would have been shot in the heart and, and would have died. Wow. Yeah. So wait there. So wait. Isn't your heart in the middle of your chest? Ish. What did she do having a tit in the middle of her chest? They, well, they the obviously one, did a bad job of those. Well, the other thing was, like, the one of the implants flipped over inside of her from the force so be, of the bullet. You know, I know it saved your life and everything, but I'd be going back for a refund. Well, You put well, no, my wait. tit in the middle of my chest. Uh, hold on. And it flips. Hold on. <laughs> so there have been four other incidents where breast implants have blocked bullets. That's crazy. So, this is great. This is great. I can so, imagine those SWAT so, teams, SWAT team members all getting, <laughs> all getting implants. No, no, no. But here, I'll play this scenario out for you that I thought of. Okay. Honey, I really wish you had bigger breasts. Would you get, um, you know, breast implants for me? No. Well, why not? Well, because you don't care about me the way I am. You don't like me. But of course I do. But don't you know that they could save your life? And then show them this article. And then the guy's like, you know, I'm just trying to look out for you, you know? No. I can't see it working myself. <laughs> it wouldn't work with me. Would you ever have breast implants? No. Why not? Because God gave me what I got, if you believe in God. I got what I got, and I'm, I'm good with what I got. To be honest with you, I mean, yours is probably like... We really... I already We already talked about them earlier today, that they're sagging a little. No, 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 of, no, I wasn't saying about that. I was saying they. I wouldn't want you to go any bigger anyway. Would you? No, I just said no. I like my boobies just the way they are for now. I like them too, but I'm not commenting anymore because... There's <laughs> <laughs> nowhere for you to go with that. This podcast is going, taking a, a deviation. <laughs> all right, well, anyway, that is all of the... Things that I have dug up for you today. Yes, thank you for tuning into the Weird Wacky Voluptuous Story <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> well, you know who I feel bad for? What? <laughs> Is Tom, because he's going to have to follow up with Reminiscing with Tom after this. Uh, yeah, well, not on this episode, but next week, yeah. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Oh, well, saved, we, Tom. Yeah, we do have we do have Richard Lenny on next. I'm glad that his is pre-recorded and he doesn't know what you just spoke about. <laughs> We will hand you over now to Richard, where he's got his UFO report. Which is a lot 
tamer than this. <laughs> yes, yeah, and a little bit more sensible. So we're going to hand over now to Richard, who we think is doing a fantastic job. I'm sure you agree. We've had some fantastic comments about both him and Ruth's work, so uh, really appreciate that and you guys getting in touch. Okay, so we're going to hand over now to Richard. Hi, this is Rich Lenny, and welcome to the Weird, Wacky, Wonderful. Aren't you lucky? You've got me for the next 10 minutes. I'm going to be talking to you about the very latest UFO sightings from across the world. Well, I'm going to kick off with this. Two UFOs have been seen shooting across the path of Comet Atlas as she was starting to break up. Um, Yeah, pretty amazing, huh? So, basically, going back about 10, 15 years ago, I had this theory that with all these comets, asteroids and meteors that we seem to have coming towards the Earth, and then they just seem to break up. I was thinking, maybe, you know, these UFOs I see through my night visions, maybe there's something to do with there, there's a connection somewhere, maybe they're interfering with them and and they're causing them to break up. But I checked the videos and I checked photos and I could never find anything. So, um, fast forward to today, and we got our good old friend Ufovini again, spelt U-F-O-V-N-I, and he's actually done some research on this as well, and he's actually found a video, and this video is actually showing two UFOs going into the path, the nucleus of Comet, in this case Comet Atlas, as it's breaking up, as it's breaking up. So he reckons there probably was a first shot of them going through the comet and that started to break it up, but it didn't do a very good job. So they went through again. And the second time they went through is the second one is the one he's caught on video. And you can see the two streaks of the UFOs going through the nucleus. And then, of course, it breaks up properly after that. Now, if we go back to 2013, do you remember the Russian meteor that actually entered the Earth's atmosphere? And then um, it went into Russia and then exploded just above the ground. Well, um, a lot of the car dash cams caught it. I actually checked that out and you can actually see an unidentified flying object coming up underneath the comet, literally flying again through the nucleus of the comet. And you see it coming out the other side. And as it flies out the other side, the comet explodes. And um, Ufovini's caught this as well. So he's caught this one too. And it just proves that these UFOs are interacting with these comets and meteors. And I suppose they're seeing it as a threat. So what do they do? They get rid of it. Um, Anything that's a threat to this planet, I think you'll find DTs are going to interact, whether we like it or not. I mean, there's accounts of, you know, dummy warheads being flown in rockets and then UFOs coming up and firing a plasma beam and knocking it off its trajectory and then the whole silo went down for 12 hours. Um, I did a radio show on that going back a while ago with um, Colonel Holt, I think his name was, who was in control of that. He was in command of it at the time and he was on the line with me and he confirmed that's exactly what happened and they saw a plasma ball hovering at the gates of the base afterwards. And they had no power for 12 hours because this UFO thought that this rocket had a real warhead in it. Of course, it didn't have a dummy one, but it thought it had a real one and knocked it off its trajectory and basically the whole thing exploded. 
So I think that they, they've they got, you know, our backs when it comes to things like that. So I don't think we're ever going to have a third world war because I don't think they'd let us. I know with normal wars, you know, World War One, World War Two, Vietnam War especially, um, where these spheres were seen every single day, um, they observe wars. They won't interfere. They'll observe them. They'll let us kill each other. They won't interfere. But if it comes to us harming the planet in some way, then they will intervene. Um, just going back to the Vietnam War for a second, they were seen so much. The American soldiers were seeing them every day that they actually nicknamed them enemy helicopters because they thought Charlie had some sort of um, special weapon that they didn't know about. And they were in the skies and they were flying around. Yeah, they were seen all the time. Um, also, you know, where there's a disaster, uh, let's see now, forest fires, uh, earthquakes, volcanoes, UFOs are seen hovering around there, going into the volcano, coming out. Um, there was one, a tornado, and this sphere literally went straight through the tornado out the other side as if it was just a breeze. It didn't affect the UFO at all. So they've obviously got some sort of protective layer around it where nothing affects them. They can go in and out of hurricanes, tornadoes. They can go in and out of volcanoes that are erupting. They can go into the sun. They can fly around the sun. They can do all sorts of things and get away with it. So um, I found that very, very interesting. So there'll be a link to this at the end of the show. And you can go across and you can see the video for yourself and make up your own mind. Number two. The ISS captures deep space UFOs playing tag. Right. Well, I used to do this. I used to watch the live cam, uh, ISS live cam, just to see if I could see any any UFOs. And uh, I don't have time now anymore. But um, oh, I used to see some strange stuff coming in and out of our atmosphere. Uh, these spheres I talk about. Um, I remember one uh, one day I, I was watching it and. Um, yeah, lovely, lovely blue sky. You know, we were in the ISS looking down on planet Earth. And then all of a sudden coming out of the blue atmosphere was this sphere. And it just literally went out in space. It was amazing. Anyway, I digress. Um, so this is from Mr. MBB333. He's got a YouTube channel. Again, leave a link down below. Um, somebody caught a sphere and it was basically, they thought it was a star. So they look like spheres and all of a sudden it would shoot backwards and forwards like a ping pong ball. So, um, yeah, pretty amazing. And it happens quite a few times. And if you see it on the video, so it'll stay still like a star, which is what they thought it was to begin with. And then and then it'll shoot backwards and forwards and then stop. Then it'll shoot backwards and forwards and then stop again, just like a ping pong ball. Um, I've seen a craft in deep space. Uh, moving a, a, along in a straight line, this was when I was um, in my back garden, three o'clock in the morning with my night visions. It was moving along. Well, actually, to begin with, I thought it was just a start. Um, and then I noticed it was moving. OK, it was moving quite slowly. So I thought, OK, I've got a satellite here, another satellite. Um, and I was thinking, well, I'll just because I, I like to I like to track them for a while just to see if they curveball off or, or whatever. And do you know what it did? <laughs> it literally glitched. It jumped up and down real quick and then carried on in a straight line. And that was it. It just did it at once. So it was like I was watching um, 
uh, a video game and there was a glitch in the in the game and the, but the thing was when it jumped and went back down again all the other stars in the background did not it was just this one item in front of me that was moving this one craft whatever it was this ufo this did a little glitch it jumped and then carried on so it shows that it was not my night visions because telling this story some people saying oh it's probably your equipment that was faulty no 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 because everything else was perfect it was just this one ufo this one little item of of round spec you know that was moving along I don't know how big it was, it was in space, and then all of a sudden it would jump and then carry on again. So that reminded me of that. So yeah, so check that out, that's quite amazing to watch. Um, and then, uh, what else? Um, oh yeah, on this one, go to my Facebook page, because I've actually put it on my timeline. So you go to Richard Lenny, ufologist in brackets, and then you go down, to a video that I've put up on the 16th of May, um, and it's called Ultimate Proof, okay? Now, this is a video that was taken in the UK by a family that saw a sphere again in blue sky, moving across, and all of a sudden, it disappears, and then it reappears a bit further along. So it's basically cloaking itself, and then it comes back. And I think it does it a couple of times and also it affects their camera as well. I don't know what sort of camera they're using, but I've put it as a sphere showing off to a family here in the UK of what it is capable of doing. I think you can agree with me. It was aware it was being filmed. Yeah, it looked like it was aware that they were filming it because it seemed to be like showing off. Um, you know, it was doing all sorts of stuff and then, and then it cloaked itself and then it came back and it did this a couple of times. But this actual shows you, this actually shows you that there's proof now that these spheres and other UFOs are capable of cloaking themselves. Which brings me to the point of, you know, that means then that we can't see them with a the naked eye. And I had a, I'll tell you a quick story. I went down to Devon back in 2011, I think it was now, because a lady down there was seeing all sorts of stuff going on. And um, I took my equipment down there. And then about nine o'clock in the evening, she said, Richard, Richard, come out to the front. Look, look, there's beams coming down a 45 degree angle from the sky. So I went out, had a look, couldn't see anything. And she said, there they are. They're literally 20 feet in front of you. And there was like a gravel driveway. Then there was her garden and it was coming down in her garden from the sky. There was clouds. It had been raining. So when I got the night visions, thinking, OK, I'll see them through the night visions. Everything lit up beautifully when I got the night visions on. But again, I couldn't see them. They still were not there. I said, Nina, Nina, her name was Nina. I said, Nina, I can't see them. She said, put your infrared on. So I put my infrared on and bang, there they were. Two or three beams, I can't remember, I think it was three, but definitely two, coming down a 45 degree angle. And then later on we discovered they was, you know, taking up soil. So, you know, and I thought, while I was looking through my night visions at these beams coming down, I thought, hang on a minute, how can Nina see them and I can't? So I said to Nina, I said, Nina, how, how come you can see them and I can't? And she said, oh, since 2010, the ETs have given me the ability to see, see everything they're doing, you know, watch their experiments. She said, I don't need any equipment, but unfortunately you do. 
and uh, and then all of a sudden they started to move around to the back of a property it was just like something out of war of the worlds and you said richard richard they're starting to move and i said yeah i know nina i can see of course i was still looking through my night visions at this point and she was just standing by me you know just looking with her own eyes so she could see what i could see through the night visions and by the way when i pulled my night visions away from my eyes and looked above my night visions i couldn't see anything looked through my night visions and there they were and it sort of looked like i was playing a pre-recorded tape it was a very very weird experience very surreal so um there we go that's it so until um next time uh, this is rich lenny for the weird wacky wonderful thank you and good night Thanks, Richard, for that report. Once again, amazing. There's some really interesting information in there as well. I've got to look at those videos on those comets. Comets. That's what I just said. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were saying comet. You had to listen, look at videos on comments or something. Comets. <laughs> yeah. And now we have Ruth's report for you. Hi, everyone, and welcome again to my segment on the paranormal. If this is your first time listening, then my name is Ruth Roper Wild, and I am an author and researcher who writes about the paranormal and I will be presenting this regular 10-minute slot of news and interesting snippets from the paranormal world. In the news this month, we're starting with a haunting in Lincolnshire in the UK. On Sunday the 17th of May, Lincolnshire Live News reported that a local ghost hunting group, the Retford Ghost Hunters, had been successful in capturing the image of a full-bodied apparition on camera. The Retford Ghost Hunters, led by Rachel Parsons, have done a number of investigations since they started up, and previously had been successful in capturing the image of a little girl ghost at a hotel. That one is also worth checking out, by the way, as it too is an intriguing image and surprisingly clear. But back to this recent capture. Rachel and her colleague were doing a ghost investigation on the evening of May the 13th at local site Gibbet Hill Lane in the small village of Scrooby in Lincolnshire. The lane is named for having been the site where the gibbeting of John Spencer took place in 1779 and where his rotting remains hung in their chains for some 60 years before finally succumbing to the elements. John was a bit of a ne'er-do-well who was playing cards on the 3rd of July, 1779, with the tollkeeper, William Yeadon, and William's mother at the tollkeeper's cottage. John must have decided that they had something worth stealing, as he seems to have gone back later that evening and gained admission by claiming that there was a cattle drove about to come through. Once he'd got safely inside the cottage and away from prying eyes, he brutally murdered the pair. He might have gotten away with it too, but for the fact that a short time later some other travellers passed by the toll keep and discovered John dragging one of the bodies across the lane towards the River Wrighton, I assume with the intention of hiding the bodies by dumping them in the water and hoping that would give him enough time before their discovery to get clean away from the scene of his crime. He was arrested after attempting to run off and in time brought before the courts where he was found guilty and sentenced to be hanged and then gibbeted. There is a bit of an urban myth that people were usually hung in gibbet chains or cages, alive and then left to die a slow death, but in fact that was incredibly rare, probably because of the risk that one of their accomplices or family would come along and rescue them. In reality, people were usually measured up for their chains or cage while still alive, probably an act of cruelty designed to add to their fear for their immortal soul since they knew for certain then there would be no Christian burial for them. Shortly afterwards, they were then taken away to be hung. Once dead, their lifeless body was often taken back to the scene of their crime, and there hung either in a gibbet cage or in gibbet chains. Their body would remain there suspended in this way, 
to slowly rot away to serve as a warning as to what would happen if you broke the law. Not surprisingly, it's often said that these sites, where these gibbet posts stood, are haunted. And it was this possibility that Retford ghost hunters were investigating on the May the 13th. They were live streaming the event for their followers on social media. And one eagle-eyed viewer spotted a misty figure in the background of the video and was able to capture a still image of it. The image is quite intriguing. It shows a semi-transparent, tallish, slim figure who looks like he might have some sort of tall hat on his head. To me, it seems like he might have had his head turned slightly towards the camera, as if aware of the people present. And there is something low to the ground just in front of him. Some have said it might be a dog on a lead in front of him, but I think it might even be a smaller figure crouching. Whatever it is, there's definitely something there, but the shape's a bit hard to make out. The main figure himself seems unnaturally elongated. Some people have commented that it might be just be somebody walking past with their dog, but the ghost hunters are sure that there was no one else about. They've pointed out that it was quite a small area they were working in, so there wasn't really anywhere that someone could have passed them by unnoticed. It's definitely a very intriguing capture, and one you might want to check out for yourself and see what you think. The link is included for you. Meanwhile, over in America, some people are reporting that because of COVID-19, by necessity, due to the lockdown, they're spending much more time at home than they would do normally. This means suddenly they're noticing paranormal happenings at home, where they'd never noticed anything before. So Fox News reported that one resident of Ybor City, Florida, Kurt Schleicher, lives in the house where in 1933, Victor Licata murdered his parents, his siblings and the family dog using an axe. Victor had suffered from mental health issues most of his life and although the police had tried to incarcerate him the previous year as a possible danger to himself and society, his family had insisted they rather he stayed with them where he was loved and understood. Their faith in their ability to cope with his mood swings turned out to be sadly misguided and he went on a rampage one night, killing the whole family whilst not in a fully lucid state of mind. His youngest brother was only eight years old when he murdered him. Victor was find, found hiding in the bathroom, his skin covered in blood, even though he was wearing fresh, clean clothes over the top. He was arrested, tried and convicted for the murders of his whole family and was incarcerated for life in a mental institution. Now, Kurt, who says he has never believed in the paranormal and had never given a thought before to the gruesome history of his home when he bought it, has reported that now he is spending more time at home, he has noted that his pet boxer dog takes to sitting in the room where Victor's mother was murdered and barking at a seemingly blank wall. He also says that the bathroom, where Victor was found on the morning of the murders, has a cold spot which seems to brush past him when he's in there, as if someone had just walked by. Meanwhile, Adrian Gomez in Los Angeles was also at home under lockdown when he heard one of the doorknobs inside his house rattling vigorously, even though he knew no one was there. On another occasion, one of the window sills suddenly violently shook and rattled, so much so that at first he thought it was the beginning of an earthquake, until he realised that nothing else was shaking. He's now beginning to feel like he's sharing his home with something he'd not previously noticed. So if any of you have noticed paranormal activity where you hadn't before because of spending more time in the house because of lockdown, or maybe even an increase in the paranormal activity you already had, please write in and let me know. 
My email is wa-1400 at outlook.com and it's displayed on the blurb for this podcast. So on to my last topic for this slot. One of my published books is The Almanac of British Ghosts and it's intended to be used as a guide for ghost hunters. It's set out just like an old style almanac or calendar of events and it gives details month by month of those ghosts which are said to only haunt on one day of the year, often referred to as anniversary hauntings. One such date coming up is June the 2nd at Soham Railway Station in Cambridgeshire in the UK and it's an audio haunting only in that sounds are heard but nothing seen. The history behind the haunting is that close to midnight on the 2nd of June 1944 a munitions train was just pulling into Soham Station when the leading carriage caught fire. Now had the whole train caught fire the results would have been nothing short of apocryphal for the village because the train was transporting a heavy armament of explosives. But fortunately, the quick-thinking heroics of the driver and the fireman on the train saved a lot of lives that day, because they immediately realised they had no hope of putting the fire out safely. They hurriedly detached the lead carriage from the rest of the train, and even though they knew they were putting themselves at terrible risk, they drove the train as far along the track as they could get, pulling the fiery coach with them as far as they could go, out of harm's way. In the resultant explosion when the engine itself caught fire, both the local signalman, Frank Bridges, and the fireman, James Knightall, tragically lost their lives. The explosion was big enough to cause serious damage to a number of houses and to rain debris down over most of the village, which apparently you can still sometimes dig up in gardens today. The driver, Benjamin Gimbert, who survived but was badly injured, and the deceased fireman, James Knightall, were both awarded the George Cross for their incredible bravery. Now there is a legend that on the anniversary every year of the explosion, you can hear the sound again. So far I haven't been able to find anybody who's actually claimed to have heard it. So any listeners in Cambridgeshire, that's your ghost hunting duty this year, since listening out for the explosion can be done from the safe social exclusion of your house if you're anywhere near that village. Alternatively, if you're near Dundee in Scotland on the 2nd of June, and Cambridgeshire is a bit too far to venture, and if your lockdown rules allow by then, you could try visiting the small village of Newtile. Apparently, every 2nd June, it's haunted by a ghost dressed in white, who wanders the area of Bulb Road, making an eerie groaning sound as it drifts along. Some accounts of it say that the ghost is actually headless. But curiously, nobody seems to know who this hapless apparition was, nor what the significance of the date was for it. If you do manage to see it, or know anybody who has, again, I'd love to hear from you. Well, that's all from me for this time. I hope you've enjoyed the section, and please, please write in with your experiences and thoughts. It doesn't matter in the world where in the world you are. I'm interested if you've encountered a ghost. My books are available from Amazon and other online re- retailers, in both ebook or paperback, and the links to my Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and email are included with podcast details. Happy ghost hunting. Thanks, Ruth, for another amazing report. And it's interesting, isn't it? I wonder if, seeing as people are at home on lockdown, whether they are noticing more things going on around the house, more paranormal things than maybe they wouldn't. Could be. I wonder if the accounts, the reports, are are actually going to be coming in thick and fast. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? If you do, by the way, know of anything that's going on or if you've noticed something that's going on in your house that's weird and strange, get in touch with Ruth. 
because she documents things like this. And if it's not for one of her books that she's working on now, it may well be for the future. So definitely worth sending her some reports. Definitely. We had a funny thing happen to us. We did. Go on, I'll let you tell them. So we were laying in the bed. We were doing nice, innocent things. We were watching television. Anyway, so we're watching TV, chilling. Wait, there, wait there's a Will Smith song here. Chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool, and shooting some b-ball outside of the school. That wasn't what we were doing. We were just watching TV. Yeah. Yeah, okay, come on. N- no Will Smith needed. We've got a, I don't know what you want to call it, a, a metal... Piece of art. Yeah, that hangs above the bed. And we heard this really loud ping... And then something fell on the bed, but there was nothing there. Yeah, we do not have a clue what it was or what caused this noise or what caused whatever it was to fall on the bed. But whatever it was, it fell on my shoulder. It felt like something had fallen on my shoulder and there was absolutely nothing there. It scared the wee-wee out of you. (laughs) No. Yeah, it did. You jumped out of bed quicker than I've ever seen you jump out of bed. And I ran to the bathroom. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah. so it scared the wee wee out of you then yeah but not not in the bed i no, didn't no, pee not the, in bed. the bed not in the bed not in the bed anyway it was really creepy and i can't even remember what we were watching on tv but it was one of those it was something that actually we were we were watching something spooky on yes. the tv at the time yeah you're right we i were. can't remember what it was but anyway there was definitely something that sounded like it was traveling pretty quick, smacked into this piece of art and fell on my shoulder. And we pulled the bed back and everything and we couldn't find couldn't anything. Couldn't find anything in there. And I actually saw something fall as well. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. We could not find whatever it was and we certainly couldn't find out what caused it. But yes, it was when we were watching. I know what it was we were watching. We were watching that thing about that guy who used to live in ha- um, Amityville. Horror oh house. yes, yes, my Amityville horror. Yeah, that's what we were watching. Yeah, and they were talking about the demon and all that sort of stuff. And all of a sudden, like this thing. Yeah, it was, was so really, weird. really yeah. weird. Anyway, anyway, as you rightly said, anyway, we've come to the end of our show. Thank you very much for spending your time with us here again on the Weird Wacky Wonderful Stories podcast. Thank you again to Richard Lenny and Ruth Roper Wild for your amazing reports. We really appreciate them and know that they are certainly making our show that much more full and and rich for our listeners. And we've had some great reports back as well. So if you want to send in your opinion about Richard and Ruth's segments, then yeah, please do. And we'll pass them on to them as well. And Tom. Don't forget about Tom. Tom. How can we forget about Tom? Tom will be with you next week as normal, every other week. So it's on the opposite weeks to this show going out. And he will be doing his show, which is Reminiscing with Tom. He has got some really cool stories. So, yeah, the Weird Wacky Wonderful Stories podcast is getting quite a team. Well, yeah, but it's good because we've got weird. I mean, we've been here since the beginning. Yeah, and and as you've told me many a time, you're wonderful. Yeah, I am wonderful. Yeah. So does that mean that Richard, Ruth, and Tom are all wacky? No, you're wacky. All right, okay. They just support us. They support our wackiness. Well, they support me because I'm wonderful. Okay, so I'll just bring up the rear with the weird and wacky, and you, you guys. Okay, <laughs> you're not bringing up any rear with any weird wacky. Sorry, no. <laughs> On that note, we're going to go now. Yes. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Make sure that you get in touch if you need to. You can do that via mail at weirdwackywonderful.co.uk or via any of our social medias, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook as well. You can check our show notes today. There are notes from Ruth 
from Richard and from ourselves for all of the stories that we've spoken about. So check out the show notes if you want to find any more information on any of the things we've discussed. And until then, make sure you stay weird, weird wacky, wacky, and, and wonderful. wonderful.